here and ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host, Matt Evan Wallace On the right, yes, she may be half as hype as she could take him in a fight So settle in, folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! live from the apothecary at the ditch diggers manor it is the ditch diggers with mer lafferty and matt wallace how are you matt oh i'm flying mer i'm just <laughs> i am 10 eagles soaring in a blue sky that's and, beautiful uh, man carry because you are just flying yourself on many medications not many medications just just one i had a migraine this morning and matt and i haven't recorded in a while and we've actually been really good at, at getting our content up on a regular basis this past like six weeks or so and so we really needed to record and i'm feeling fine i'm just a little stoned on the migraine med so the migraine's not there but i'm not fully here i'm gonna try real hard and we all respect that effort, Marie. You sound great. You sound Thank great you. Yeah, you sound present. Yes, I, I, I'm feeling better than I think I have a right to, but uh, as we discovered when we were talking before I hit record, holding on to a thought is not my strong point at the moment. So if I uh, have a brain fart, then I apologize. It's a great time to record a podcast. It's sure a is. We're pros, people. Hugo Award-winning pros. You know, I bet Terry Gross has done the, has done it stoned, but she would never actually bring it up. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why we're better. I'll say <laughs> that's why we're better than Terry Gross because we're more honest. We're peeling back the veneer, Mer. Yeah. You know, we're, we're pulling back the curtain. We're letting you see what really goes on behind a popular, an extremely popular, <laughs> again, Hugo Award-winning podcast. Not just you know, anybody can do this. Not just anybody can record something and then put it out as a podcast, even though literally everybody can do that. Yeah. I mean, if you have access to the technology, it's not literally everybody. There's still a huge technology gap that I sure. want to acknowledge, but, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> all of that. I'm sorry that I said we're better than Terry Gross. I was just kidding. No, it's I funny. I was, was going to bring up another reason we're ter- better than Terry Gross, because if we had David Bowie on... And he said he didn't really want to talk about the Ziggy Stardust years because that was like a tiny little part of his massive career. And she and and would we like nod and go, uh huh, okay. So about the Ziggy Stardust years, she literally did that. I've heard did it. She really, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I would do whatever David Bowie told me. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, especially if he came back from the dead, because then I'd be terrified. Yeah, then I especially wouldn't pester him about a Ziggy. I mean, that's. <laughs> I'm just picturing Terry Gross. It's like Bowie's like, so I came back with a message for all humankind, and Terry Gross is just like, no, but what about Ziggy Stardust? <laughs> I know you came back from the dead with a message for all humankind, but like, and you want to tell Stardust. us what's going on on the other side? But that makeup was amazing, man. Did you design the stripe down the face thing? Was that your idea, <laughs> David? That's what I want to talk about, Zombie David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. So what are you up to, Matt? It's been a while since we've talked. It has because I've been well. You know, we had we had a very like you mentioned, we had a very big burst of recording with a lot of guests, and 
I think uh, part of it is I felt secure. I felt like, all right, man, we caught up. We got this backlog of all this great content. And then, you know, we released all that content, so it didn't make any difference. But and now we don't have any content left. Yeah. Now we don't have I... content. You got to keep making new content. That's what they don't tell you when you get into yeah. this game. So you have to keep recording things and coming up with ideas. It's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, it's like that hyperbole uh, and a half cartoon where she talks about that one time she cleaned the house. And she'd like imagined herself putting a trophy on the mantle, saying, "Yeah, that was the time I cleaned the house," and like, without actually thinking that she had to do it again later. Like, she, you do it the one time, and then you're done. Well done. You yeah, clean the would, house. Why would you do it again? Yeah, exactly. Why, why would you read a book you've already read? No, it's very much like that because we also actually have trophies. Because again, Hugo winning, but. <laughs> You're holding on to that today. On for the record, how many times I can bring it up in an episode. Anyway. All right. Well, we have our own. We have a new Ditch Diggers drinking game now. We do. So every time I mention how we want to Hugo, take a drink. Um, I think someone had said I mentioned it like twice in one episode. So now I'm just doing it out of spite. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, you know, I internalize these things and carry mm-hmm. them, and, and then explode and take it out on other people for no reason. So. But at least I've explained what's going on now. So Appreciate I'm getting it. Back. Yeah. No, but uh, the hell was I going to say before I got? I was asking that? you what was up. Oh right, yeah. So it's been a it's been just it's been a very busy few weeks, basically. Like I'm, I am officially writing a new book. That Exciting. Happened. My uh, the publisher of my middle grade novels uh, uh, accepted my proposal for my next book on my contract. Sweet, congratulations. Thank you. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's something I feel it's very it's you know, it's another really personal project to me. I'm writing a book about a fat kid. I was a fat kid, so it's like a really big deal. Never right. written something about a fat kid before. Um and it's you know, it's kind of the fat kid book I wanted to read when I was a fat kid and I never got. So it's like a big like I said, it's a big deal. Excellent. So I'm officially doing that and the deadline is pretty tight on it to kinda of keep it on the you know, we want it to come out like a year after about bump is going to come out my my first middle grade book which is coming out in january so to keep it on this on the schedule for like early like winter 2022 like i need to get it done pretty quick so i'm really grinding on the first draft of that and you know everything's heating up writing the video games mm-hmm. as they say because that's that's a job that i have and uh, it's a really huge project and things are you know ramping up on that and I keep coming up with stuff, and they keep wanting to put it in the game, so then I have to develop, develop it more, and I'm like, ah, I need to have worse ideas. Well, it sounds like, uh, yeah, your problem is you, you keep coming up with stuff. That's clearly... Just, I'm just too good, Mar. It's, it's a yeah. curse, really. You think I it's know. a curse. It's like me and Spider-Man, basically. We're the same. That's right. Exactly the same. Great power, great responsibility, great curse. Footy, footy pajamas. You footy know, pajamas, be, web-slinging. Yeah, we're both into that. Um... But yeah, so it's just it's just been a lot in the last uh, in the last couple of weeks. So it's all good, you know. It's good to, it's good to be busy to an extent, but you also got to take time for self care. And I guess my time for self care was just like I don't I don't want to deal with the whole podcast thing right now. Not really, but well, you know, you're being very sweet to put this on yourself. But um, I am coming to terms with a major flaw in my uh, personality, which is somehow when someone says, "Hey." Let's do this at X time. I think my my brain goes, okay, let's do it at X time. But I don't answer the email. Until it's yeah. like, 
you know, the day of. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't say yes. And so I realized, what, <laughs> Sunday night, Monday morning, that, like, I still had to answer you to say, are we recording on Monday? So the first the first uh, problem was me. Just, just you know, I, I have this problem with, with confirming things. Sounded like a rom-com title. The first problem is me. Oh, I like that. I'm going to write that down. You should write that Claimed. down. Claimed. It could be your gay rom-com that you've been looking for. Not looking for, but wanting to write. But yeah, no, as you write. <laughs> I'm writing it down. I did. I know, I but I realized I, uh, I was treating that moment like we were in, where, like we were just talking normally, where I would mm-hmm. just be quiet while you had a moment to write something down, not realizing that we're recording a fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. And, like, silence is not our friend. That's and right, dead air. <laughs> I'll just wait till you're done, Mer. Don't worry. Yeah, that's that was just a funny moment. I was like, oh yeah, podcast. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, we all do that, Mer. I think we all have that thing in our head of like, well, I've cemented this as my reality. I don't actually have to communicate with this other person. Surely, yeah. like me just agreeing internally to this is enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know why answering emails, <laughs> answering emails is like one of the top ten like existential dreads of the day. You know, with everything yeah. else going on, I feel like that's still super high on everyone's list of like, I just can't, I just can't do it. It's just sitting there in my inbox. It would take me two seconds and two sentences, but I can't do it. Yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why that's such a heavy weight. I'm sure our listeners do. I'm sure people have done the research on this. I haven't. I'm blissfully ignorant to, not blissfully, I'm just ignorant. I think this is why you want to do the batching thing. You sit down and take care of all your emails at once. I learned this from Daryl on The Office when he read um, that productivity book. Right, yeah. Uh, Getting things done. I was just thinking that sounds familiar, but I couldn't quite place it. Time batching, baby. That would be smart. I don't know. Like the 20 habits of 20, I know words. 20 (laughs) habits of highly successful people. I think it's just seven. Is it? Yeah. Well, then how are they so successful if they only have seven habits? I don't it's know. that many habits. I, are they I really don't. that good at habits? I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't trust anyone who tells you there's less than 20 habits of highly successful people. Well, I That's think you need to come up with the other 13 then. I should. I should. <laughs> As a Hugo Award-winning podcaster, you're already highly successful, so. I am. And you need to come up with those 13 good. habits. One of them should be answer your goddamn emails. That'll, that'll be the first chapter. It'll be the other 13 habits of highly successful people. <laughs> award-winning podcaster. You gotta Too qualify good. that, Murray. You gotta qualify it for the podcast. Because people in the reviews of my book have been quick to point out. He didn't actually win a Hugo for writing, folks. They want everybody to know that. Like, it's a big gotcha moment. Because mm-hmm. they put Hugo winner on the cover of the book. Yeah, yeah. But uh, everybody does that. Everybody, yeah, everybody does that. It's everybody it's it's that. a very it's it's what marketing marketing feeds on that. They really shouldn't put you down if they want to put anybody down. Put marketing down. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, people leaving Amazon reviews don't make those kinds of distinctions. Mm. We talked about that with Gail Carriger, I think. So yes, yes. It is always funny when it's like uh, this book was shipped to the wrong address, one star. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the person, actually, no, that was what we told. We didn't really talk about, no, I guess we did kind of talk about when they get personal in reviews. Yeah. But that that's the part that always gets me. It's always like the personal comments that have nothing to do with the book. It's like, it was like the Hugo thing, 
And then in the one review I read, the guy was also like, it wasn't even a slam, but it just had like this air of like a, a accusation where he's like, I have apparently where I have a lot of connections in the online fan community. Like, I don't even know what that was supposed to mean. What? Yeah. But yeah, it's like he didn't want to ego for writing and he has all these on, uh, connections in the online fan community. I guess the insinuation is the book really isn't that good. I just know people. And what does knowing people get you? Does that get you a, a publishing contract? I have no idea. I think the, maybe the insinuation was the reviews weren't representative of the quality oh. of the book. Because I was only getting good reviews because I have connections in the online fan community. Yes, the I, on, that online fan community. Yeah, I dude, I wish that was a cabal and I wish I had stroke with them. That sounds awesome. That uh, sounds I, like believe, I believe their offices are right next to the Antifa. Or ant, I've never heard that said out loud. The anti-fascist offices, you know, that organization? I always I hear Antifa in my head. Antifa, okay. Yeah, yeah so I, I believe the online fan community's offices are right next to Antifa. Man, that would be a, that would be a wild, like, lunch courtyard. That would! Oh, you back up, a, back up a taco truck, mm-hmm. check that out at 1 p.m., those would be some discussions that they'd be having. Boy, howdy. Anyway, none of this really matters. How no. so? So, other than not being able to answer emails, Mar- <laughs> with you professionally, I'm having fun. Um, I am still waiting to get my book back and um, talking with my agent about another project that at some point I'll be able to announce. I hope, but uh, since I actually have nothing, I have one thing due at the moment, but uh, should probably get a contract for that two that's a smaller project but uh i have one small thing to do again i i don't know if i can talk about it but i'm also writing a couple of things um for myself that's fun i'm working on an audio drama script and i'm uh working on i completely forgot what it was see what this is what i said this is what the meds are doing to me um was oh yeah (laughs) with with my other podcast i should be writing I decided to do something that I thought was either a great idea or a terrible idea, which was uh, outline a new book live on my stream using three different outlining methods. So I took the same book and I outlined it with the snowflake method, with the save the cat writes a novel method, and with the story grid method. And that was that was interesting. That sounds like a thing. That's it was a thing. Like a thing. Uh, it, it was interesting because what I learned was, um, I'm not a teacher and I really hate two of those methods now. So I basically got an hour into the snowflake method going, yeah, I'm done. If you want to do, here are the next four steps to the end. If you want to do it, go right ahead. But I can't keep going with this. And the snowflake method is very good if you're the kind of person it works for. I'm not putting down the method. I'm saying it didn't work for me. And then Do you when, want to explain the snowflake method to people who may not be familiar? I will allow Craft Talk just this once to make the story work that you're telling. Sure. The snowflake method is when you take some, you take, okay, what's your one sentence elevator pitch for your novel? Okay. Take an hour. He says, take an hour to come up with a 15 word or less uh, sentence about your novel. And then, okay, expand that out to be a paragraph. Okay, now take every sentence of that paragraph and give that a paragraph. And so you're you're filling out your outline bit by bit and it grows like a snowflake is is the concept. But what it really does is it has you write and rewrite 
the basic plot of your novel many times from each looking at it in a slightly different way. Like, okay, now after you flesh out a character, now tell their story in the novel, which is pretty much the novel beats only specific to that character. And then do it for your next character. And it's, I think it's like the repetition of, of writing out the outline will get you, you know, will let you work through the problems in your outline if you don't like completely get bored and rage quit. Um, also, it does recommend taking, it tells you how much time to take. So this is supposed to be like a week long thing that I was trying to shove into an hour. So I, I think you're not supposed to get, you know, outlined fatigue if you're spreading it out over days. But um, it wasn't for me. So I, then I did the Save the Cat Writes a Novel method, which is taking Blake Snyder's Save the Cat screenwriting beats and putting it towards novel writing. And um, that worked great. I really got a lot out of that. Then I tried to do the story grid method, which I'm still unsure of what that method is because the book is frankly very dense and not really, it doesn't really feel accessible in a how-to kind of way. And I realized about, you know, doing my research that it's more of a a tool to get your rough draft in shape for your next revision. And while that's great, it's not a really good zero draft kind of tool. So um, that was the last I should be writing, which felt rather awkward, admittedly, <laughs> because I'm just like, so here's what I figured out, guys. Yeah, this won't work. But, um, but that was like, I was doing a new novel, which was challenging and exciting. And um, so I was working on that outline and my audio drama script. So that's been fun. Actually having uh, fun writing. Yeah, I was going to bring up your burgeoning Twitch stardom. I guess that kind of covers it as well, because you incorporated that into the whole whole process. My My numbers are going up slowly. I'm pleased. That's good. You're building you're building a platform. You know what you do is you get that, you build that up, it explodes, then you write a book about how to build the Twitch platform and you make a shitload of money off the book. That's the way you do it. Yeah, I know. I'm very bitter about the money I spent on a book that basically is the woman selling me um a pick and a shovel in the California gold rush. <laughs> I mean for all those ninety nine point nine percent. That's what those books are. You know that. I know, I know. I still hope that somebody's going to give me some sort of gem that I didn't know, that I hadn't thought of. And um, one of them was great. This one was actually quite inexpensive, so I'm not too bitter. But one of the things was this guy basically saying, if you want to be a Twitch star, be a woman. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's yeah. it? He's like... Well, yeah, well, women sometimes do face harassment. If you're a woman, people are going to watch you more often. And I'm thinking, look, asshole, that's not across the board. First, it's if you're an attractive woman, if you're young and attractive, and even then, you still have to create content. You can't just be cute. And yeah, I just really wanted to punch that guy. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think these. I think that's if anything, it's advice for how to create a thumbnail, and it's still shitty advice. So I don't. I don't know what to say to that guy. But hey, he made his money giving the advice. Mm -hmm. I, I become so dubious of professional advice givers in general, Mark. 
which I guess is what we are. But at the same time, it's like, you know. We're not charging anybody. We're not. That's true. This is free. This shit is free, Mer. How how bananas is that? I know. Uh, But, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just, advice in general, I'm kind of over uh, at this point. I try not to give advice. I try just to share, like, experiences and then. People can take from that whatever is useful, if anything. But I just I'm getting cranky and old, I guess. Anytime I see someone giving it, even like even if they're doing it in a in a good con, not in a good context, but like in a in like a non-declarative, definitive way, you know. Even if they're aware that like this is just my perspective, I still get very uh, dubious of like people presuming they can tell other people how to do something. Unless it's, you know, something mechanical or, like, connect slot A to slot B. Then I'll, I'll give you that, because that's a, there's a, there's a actual methodology to that that has to be followed or things go, go fucked up. But sure. Things well, go problem, fucked up. <laughs> I'm realizing my problem is, um, I don't have a lot of self-confidence. However, I do have a lot of knowledge. I don't have confidence in that knowledge, which is why I keep buying these goddamn books. Well, then I think the book and you they need to buy is the one about how to get the confidence to, like, just trust your own knowledge. You know, yeah. The book's about that. That's the book I would buy. Okay, I will look that up. Because, like... Because, yeah. Because I keep getting these books and going, well, I knew that. <laughs> Shit. The, yeah. <laughs> what did I pay you for? Books. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, man. You're wildly successful at what you do and very experienced. Like, you're the one who should be telling other people how to do things at this point, if anything. I don't know who's going to know more than you about these kinds of things at this point. Again, if it's like engine repair or, you know, <laughs> something that's like a specific, if you don't do it a certain way, it goes wrong. That's yeah. one thing. But, well, yeah, I... I um... Yeah, I've subscribed to writing the writer's di- the writer and writer's digest, and every time it comes, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I I got all that, I really do. I just yeah, so I'm I'm I just need self confidence. That's what I need. Yeah, no, that's it's a tough one, man. It's an you know it's an abstract. It's not like a you know you can seek it at the top of a mountain. It's something everybody has to figure out. They have to figure out, you know, the very specific combination to their own safe. So that mm-hmm. makes it very Ooh, difficult. poetic, man. Nice. I do the words. You do the words. You are the words. Despite having employed the phrase, go fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Everything goes fucked up, Mark. Everything goes fucked up. That's a new t-shirt. Big time. Everything goes fucked up. Hashtag. Um, anyway, this is none of this is what we're here to talk about, Mark. But it's what important are- stuff. True. What are we here to talk about, Matt? Uh, well, there are a couple of things that we wanted to touch on. Hot button issues. Mark. Hot button issues. Hot buttons that are hot. So Amish people want nothing to do with them uh, because Amish people don't do buttons, which is cool. Okay. Toggles. I-, I respect toggles. Okay. You're the one who told me that. Why are you acting surprised? I'm not. I'm stoned. Oh, okay, that works too. Um, but yeah, so hot button issues, uh, the first of which was, uh, came from one of our main characters on writing Twitter. You know the main character, Mer, right? You know about the main character. No. Wait, what? It's that every day 
there's a new main character on Twitter. No, so I did do, not know this. You don't you don't know about the main no, character? No, I don't. Wow, I'm actually it's not a I'm impressed. I am impressed that you are not mired so deeply in this bullshit that you know about this. But yeah, it's basically the person who has the big dumb take of the day, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the person who tweets the thing that pisses everyone off so much that they start dunking on them and threatening about why they're wrong and all that shit. Like that's that's your main character, and they say every day there's a new main character on Twitter. Um, and I broke it down to like specific Twitters. Like this is very specific to like writing Twitter. I see. Um, and again, not going to mention the person's name because I really feel that's irrelevant. And that's another, that's another issue we can get into later is like making it about a specific person. But Mm -hmm. they basically tweeted, you know, uh, are you, are you as authors concerned? And it was phrased as a question. Are, are, are you as authors concerned about being political in your Twitter or social media feeds, like posting quote unquote political tweets? Are you afraid that's going to drive potential sales slash readers away? And, you know, should you keep your Twitter feed apolitical? Uh, which, you know, I don't think that's even possible, but we'll get we'll get more into that. And that was kind of people. So people seized on this immediately. And the general consensus, at least among the people I follow, was it's it, one, it's impossible to be not be political on your social media feeds. Like choosing not to talk about certain things, that's taking a political position. So on the one hand, it's what does political mean and what does that infer and like what is that about and then the other that other idea is just that idea of like if you're going to worry about being political on your twitter what you really need to look at is what you're saying in your books and your content because like that's going to turn people off way more right yeah so that's something i feel like is worth talking about because if the thing is i see these things right and they feel like old hat to me they feel like conversations we've had many times Mm -hmm. before but i try to remember that there are plenty of people who have not been exposed to the discourse and experiences that I have and may be wondering about these things. Because if you're sure. new to the space or you haven't thought about it before, it's a big deal, you know? Like, you publish a book or whatever, and you're suddenly thinking, I've got eyes on me, I'm trying to get eyes on me. Like, how do I do this whole professional, audience-facing, reader-facing social media thing? And how do I handle issues that people find political? So yeah. I think it's I think it's worth talking about. So, Murr, yeah, are you are you political on your social media channels? Well, totally, because um, first, the people who complain about political stuff are very comfortable with the with the status quo. Mm-hmm. That's and if you challenge their status quo, that's political. The thing is, is that I am a woman. And I care about things that happen in politics that affect me as a woman. For me, it's everyday life. And so if, you know, Roe v. Wade is struck down, that's fucking huge to me. I am a woman. I am a mother of a... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to be gender neutral here, and I'm I'm slightly stoned, so I'm having trouble. But I'm the mother of a daughter born daughter, um, daughter born with feminine parts. I don't know. I'm trying here, man. I'm sorry. It's the the migraine meds. I'm identifying. Um, I think would be the way to thank go. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and all of that is huge to me. Um. If you want to tell a black person not to be political, 
after the George Floyd murder? And after the Breonna Taylor murder? Fuck you. Seriously. That's their life. They're thinking about their life. They're thinking, am I next? They're thinking, if I see a cop on the corner, are they going to kill me? And I don't care how you feel about cops. This is what black people are thinking. Because they're seeing it everywhere. You might think it's political. It's their life. You want to talk about transgender people in the bathroom? Well, let's not get political. Well, a transgender person has to go to the bathroom. That is their life. That is not politics. That is what they're... That is how they're trying to live their life. And so when something political comes up, it's usually because it's against your status quo and you don't want to think about it. Um, that's the problem. And if, you know, the thing is, is that all of these issues are come up in politics, come up in the presidential race, come up in laws that are passed. And so, you know, it leads to I don't like this. This is something that needs to be changed. Here's someone in politics who's not helping this be changed. Here's someone who's running who wants to change it. You know, it's, it's, that's how it, that's how it goes. We are more than writers. And I think that's another thing people don't want to think about. We are people. We are more than writers. We get hurt if you trash us, trash us in our reviews. Some people get hurt if you trash their books. But I'm saying, if you go after the person, there's a person there. And it's, we have opinions. The laws of the country affect us. So the politics that drive the laws, the, that, that affects us, that affects our life. We live, we write books. It's all connected. And so maybe if you don't want to talk about who you're voting for, that's fine. But for me, women's health is a huge issue. I... I'm trying to be a good ally and listen to all of my black friends who are saying, oh, fuck, what's happening? Or thank you, white people, for finally fucking figuring out what's happening. Now will you do something about it? And um, that's why I'm not afraid to be political, because if you really do think that, that, you know, trans rights aren't human rights or all lives matter or blue lives matter and not actually addressing the point of black lives matter. I don't want you reading my stuff. I don't want you listening to this podcast. I don't fucking care. It's too big. It's bigger than the podcast. It's bigger than my books. My beliefs are much bigger than that. Yeah. The idea you're trying to net like every person who reads as an author is that's a that's a fallacy on its face right there like yeah everybody who writes ends up writing for a very specific audience now there are people you know who appeal to a lot of different types of people and that's great but you know when you get down to fundamental things like someone objects to the existence of another person yeah. you know if, if that's the dollar you're worried about losing then i think you got bigger problems than marketing honestly yeah. And that's really what it comes down to, like you said. It's like what what we what some people consider political is just another person existing. Like their existence yeah. is what you're calling political because you have the privilege to do that. You don't have to worry about the same things they do. So that's what being apolitical is. It's just the privilege to not have to deal with any of that shit and just live your life unaffected. You know, mm -hmm. so, and like you said, it's maintaining the status quo. So fundamentally, that's what you're talking about. You're not talking about a subjective issue like, you know, should you put peas in penne pasta? You shouldn't, but that's something I <laughs> disagree about. Like that's a difference of opinion. And you're like, you're like, I don't wanna I don't wanna weigh in on that whole peas and penne pasta thing. 
that's fine. That's totally fine. But when it comes down to, you know, should trans people be treated like human beings, it's not a matter of a difference of opinion. It's not about discourse or debate. It's just like either you recognize that or you don't. And as, you know, people are fond of pointing out, silence is the same as uh, complicity. So there's that. Now, within that, and you hit on something that I do feel is worth talking about. It's like if you don't want to weigh in on a certain thing, like like if you don't want to weigh in on, I forget what the example you just used. I'm trying to remember what you said. I used five. a lot of examples. You did. You went. You were. You were on a roll there, and I, I didn't want to get in the way of the freight train, Mur. You don't want Appreciate to get it. in the way of the train when it's on its tracks like that. That's right. Anyway, my overall point is like there's. There's not talking about stuff for your own mental health sometimes. It's like sometimes you need, in within your own spaces, in your own channels, you need a break from things. Like, you don't want everything to be heavy. That's okay. There's, there's no rule that says every tweet you tweet has to uh, address these issues. Like, that's not what anybody is saying either on the, on the opposite of the spectrum. No, definitely but, not. That's why yeah. I've separated myself from Twitter, which is why apparently I did not find out about this whole main character concept, because I sometimes, I often separate myself from Twitter just for my own mental health. I'm not saying everybody needs to have their own soapbox and yell about it all the time, but if somebody talks about something that matters to them, you might find it political, they might find it everyday survival. Yeah, exactly. And that's the delineation you need to learn to make. It's not it's not this intellectual exercise of like, you know, politics as an abstract. This is this is people just literally fighting for their existence. So that's you need to know that that's what you're talking about when you talk about this issue to begin with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not and the, the idea that like you're going to tweet and you're going to lose readers from it. And I know that freaks a lot of people out because a lot of people there are people on Twitter who love to tweet at people and be like, because of you know your stance on Twitter, I'm not going to support you or buy your products, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a big Twitter trope. What you have to realize about those people is they were never going to support your shit anyway. Like yeah. it just it wasn't going to happen. It's not it's not anything to actually be worried about. It's yeah. not something that affects you in the grand tally of things. And the thing is, people's politics comes out in books. If you don't notice it, that's because their politics reflect exactly you and your life, and so that's your status quo. If I yeah. write about women and people of color and LGBT people and that's not your status quo you might accuse me of being political but you know people are probably not going to buy my books anyway because it's pretty clear where I stand since I tried to you know put people in my books that reflect the world yeah and the the double standard and hypocrisy of that whole idea of like you're of accusing someone of being political my favorite was this happened after that after the whole main character thing it was somebody uh, tweeting at Brent Spiner, of all people. At, and the idea that, like, it's even worse when you realize they sent this to Brent Spiner. They literally told them, please stop making Star Trek political. You're <laughs> ruining it for old school Trekkers like me. And it was, that was, it was a totally serious statement. This was a real thing that a real person felt incumbent upon themselves to tell Brent Spiner because they were a fan of old Star Trek old apolitical Star Trek mm-hmm. and they wanted Brent Spiner to stop making Star Trek uh, political. And I mean if you're not a Star Trek fan and there are plenty of people who aren't and like you're not versed, the idea that Star Trek wasn't political from day one is just so patently absurd I don't even know how to qualify it. Like that whole that entire show, every episode of that show was like a metaphor for some kind of political issue of the day. 
Yeah, and the casting of Nichelle Nichols was so huge. I don't even know if I'm sure someone studied the mag the magnitude of her role, but it's it's was huge. No, oh, yeah, absolutely, and you know, her and uh, her and William Shatner uh, kissing on television on broadcast television America in 1968. Yeah, I mean, that was the first interracial kiss, wasn't it? It's credited as that. There are other examples of it for it, but it doesn't okay. lessen its impact. It's a huge, yeah. It was a huge fucking deal. It was 1968 and racist-ass fucking America. Like, yeah. it was a huge statement. And just the idea that... And the only, th- the only thing I can come to is you, were, you as, a, as a Star Trek fan remembering Star Trek are so far removed from that period of politics and of history that everything Star Trek did seems banal to you now. You know, you don't you don't relate it to anything going on today. Even though, sadly, a lot of this stuff in that original series is completely relatable to what's going on today. Uh, that you just think of it as this quaint, old sci-fi show. Like, it's just, it's so, that level of, like, willful ignorance is so stunning to me. Yeah, but when that's, the... That's, but that feeds into what we're talking about here. Because it's people not recognizing that when they're talking about politics, what they're talking about is... I live a certain status quo and I want it maintained and I don't want it challenged in any way that I have to think about, you know? Yeah. The, um, one thing that really amused me was, I think, I'm sorry, was it Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio or somebody who was really mad that the live reading of The Princess Bride was helping Democrats because The Princess Bride shouldn't be political? The Princess Bride, which was about a incredibly narcissistic king starting a war for absolutely no reason. <laughs> remember yeah, that? I mean, remember that Princess Bride? Yeah. Yeah. Overthrowing that's, a completely corrupt king? Yeah. That's the and that's the other aspect of this that you get into, which is just people telling on themselves. Because that's a, it's also a huge way to reveal how you think of things when you're like this thing about you know taking down a maniacal despot. This is totally political. It's obvious you recognize that we're dealing with a maniacal despot and that needs to be taken down. And you may not say that in polite company, but the way you view the Princess Bride reveals it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just hilarious. I don't remember who it was. It was probably both of them, honestly. Yeah. Probably Rubio and Cruz. Anything you can say about Cruz, you can pretty much say about Rubio. So it doesn't yeah. matter. But um, yeah, so. I don't know. The bullet point of this is, first of all, realize what you're actually talking about when you're talking about being political. Yeah. Just start with that. And secondly, you should not be afraid to speak your own truth on your social media channels. It's going to be reflected in what you write. And that's, you know, that's that's the biggest issue here, too, is like, what are you actually putting in the content you're pushing out there to people and selling them? Like, what are you saying with that? And that's something that's always worth thinking about as well. Now, there, you know, there, there is, to, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I do want to say, it's not devil's advocate because that seems like an asshole statement these days, but I do want to say some people go to social media for pleasure. Yeah. I and they, yeah. well, no, I mean, I'm saying like, and when they read, you know, if they want to read about their favorite authors and they get into politics, which you just... Like, maybe maybe you're one of the marginalized groups, but you are not there. You're there for an escape. Here's what you do. You go in and you learn about muting. Like, I, uh, I have a friend, I don't know if she wants me to say who it is, but uh, I know somebody who's muted, like, 
like her Twitter is all like dogs and crafts. Right. Because she has so many words muted, she never sees this stuff. So if you just go to Twitter for escapism and don't want to see something that's triggering or upsetting or, you know, will get you diving down the Twitter hole for two hours, then you need to learn about muting. And I believe it's, you can do this in other platforms too. I just use Twitter because that's the main social media I use. Learn about muting and then you will... Start avoiding the things you want to avoid, but don't tell people that they shouldn't post on social media something you don't want to read. Yeah, and you're, you know, you are completely allowed to customize your social media experience. Like, it's an individualistic thing. Sure, just I just, some people don't know. That's no, no, weird. That's why we need I... to get Cameron on here for a social media uh, thing. I need to write that down, too. You talk. For social media thing. Hey, Harley, you want to come on Ditch Diggers and talk about the social media thing? She'll know what I mean. She will know what you mean. That's why it's funny. That should be the title of the episode, too. Social media thing. She knows Sounds like either is. a social media superhero or a social media supervillain. Like Swamp Thing, but for <laughs> I think we need that. I think we need, like, an elemental environmental hero, but for social media. But then they all just kind of become end up becoming cops anyway. I guess so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Terrible, Mark. Everything is terrible. While you're taking, you take so many notes. I feel bad. I don't take any notes during the show at all. Mer's learning things and writing things down, and she's gonna follow up. I'm not gonna follow up on any of this. I'm terrible. Well, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible Hugo Award-winning podcast. <laughs> yes, but you ask questions on Twitter before the show, and you do the show notes, so you're not that terrible. Thank you. I was just being jaunty, but you actually went all full out and like justified my existence on a real level. So now I feel bad. Now I actually you feel shouldn't bad. feel bad. You do the work. It's fine. <laughs> I do my part. You do your part. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's, it's cool. cool. No, it's fine. It's Look, fine. man, I'm trying here. I'm trying real hard. <laughs> it's ninety ten, but we'll let we'll let you off the hook. Um, no. Anyway, so all of that, but yeah, we'll have. We'll have people on to talk about things because that's mm-hmm. the thing we do. But yeah, I don't know. As far, but as far as as far as it goes for me, I've just come to a point where one, I'm not like comfortable laying in the cut on issues of people, you know, having human rights, and two, I'm just gonna say what I want to say and like let the chips fall because it's just it's it's a wash at the end of the day. As far as that relates to like readers and sales and all that stuff. I feel like it's a complete wash, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's just, yeah, the silence thing is not, it's not cool, man. The maintaining the status quo thing, like we should have been past that a long time ago. It shouldn't have taken this long for a lot of people to like kind of wake up to that, but I'm not worried about it. I'm never worried about it affecting my sales or my career or whatever. Like you don't want to work with people who wouldn't hire you because you're voicing those opinions and you don't want the readers that refuse to read about that stuff and get so offended by it that they wouldn't buy a book because they were never going to buy your shit to begin with. Yeah. Cause you gotta be, I mean, you can, well, no, I don't want to go down that road. Never mind. <laughs> I was, was going to talk about the people who actually do hurt their careers by, things they say, but I'm like, you gotta get like Mino Yanalopoulos or whatever his name is, level Mino of... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, I've never heard it said out loud and I'm on drugs. Um, I know about y- Mino? <laughs> Milo! Milo. You said Mino, too. Nope, said I said Milo. 
Oh my god, you totally said Mino. I am totally gonna edit this. I have the power. And then you're gonna make me sound wrong. That's what you'll fine. Merle record herself saying Milo and splice it in just so I look more wrong. The funny thing is, I was worried about the last name, so I fucked up the first name. You know they, that guy. There's a lesson there, Murray. You got to stay in the moment. You can't exactly. be so worried about what's gonna, what's going to happen that you sacrifice now. Wow, that's like millisecond. I can't think milliseconds in the future because I'll fuck it up. I mean, that's um, the future we're in, Murray. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was thinking about uh, Max Headroom. You remember Max Headroom? Mm -hmm. Do you remember like the show though? Like not just the soda commercials. Yes, I remember the show. Yeah, because it was that whole dystopian. I'm not, I apologize to Kim, I'm like, I'm talking down to you. It's just like, that's the thing. <laughs> Talk to people with Max Headroom. They're like, yeah, I remember Max Headroom, but they only remember the ads. I'm not trying to be no. hipster, but I don't give a shit if you didn't watch the show. <laughs> anyway. Dude. It was this, but like the original source material was that whole dystopian thing. And one of the yeah. big things about it was they were making these things called blipverks that were like five second advertisements. And they were so intense, they were literally causing sedentary people to explode. Oh, God. Right. Um, it's kind of fucked up when you really think. I'm kind of fat phobic, really. But anyway, I, li I like Max Edmund. Anyway, I was just, I'm, I'm watching Twitter, because Twitter, not Twitter, YouTube. YouTube's like doubled up on the ads now, you know, if you, if you mm -hmm. watch it. Which is, I love how you can do anything as long as you do it gradually in this country. That's a whole other topic. But anyway. I was just watching that, and I was watching, like, people literally make five-second ads now, and I was thinking, that's so bizarre how that seemed, like, such an absurd... Because the whole point of the Blipper thing was, like, parody. They were parodying 80s uh, marketing culture with the mm -hmm. idea that someday it's going to get so bad, we'll have five-second advertisements. And I'm like, now we have five-second advertisements. Yeah. This isn't going anywhere. I'm just... Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Well, did you want to talk, since uh, the whole political on Twitter thing is, is segues nicely into the other thing that was the hot button on Twitter? Actually, I don't know if we have time to get into that now. Oh, we don't? Oh, uh, man. Yeah, no, it's almost, yeah. We, we do a little author feedback and a little shilling. That's going to be, that's going to be an hour. So we may have to save that until next episode. All right. But we'll make it a cliffhanger. We have more things to say, audience. More, more hot button topics to discuss. Right, next week too, on Ditch Diggers. Too hot to make it one episode. It's got to be a two-parter. Anyway, anyway, so do we have email questions for Email questions. Checking. Checking. <laughs> All computers and science fiction movies should have your voice, Mur. Yes, I'm, I'm Computron. Another you office reference. Your computer. What's the what's the largest ocean? Computing, <laughs> computing, computing. Um, someone's writing to say that when we had the Savage Legion launch, uh, we were talking about the pigeons and the bombs. Wanted to let us know it was called Project Pelican, also called Project Pigeon, which makes more sense. Or pigeon what? in a pelican. I have no idea what this is referring to. That seems like yeah. This is one of my problems when I, I'll do a show and then somebody will respond to like maybe an older show and by older I mean like a couple of weeks and I won't remember what they're talking about. But if they're praising me, I say thank you. Um, Was this like a yeah, military thing where pigeons where they put bombs in pigeons? Is that what? Yes. Happened? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, it's all about pigeons, so it's actually not a question. And... It's all about 
Well, no, you were playing. It's a know, long you, thing about pitch. I I put it, somebody it was, puts somebody puts Ditch Digger's break. question into Ditch Digger's question into the subject. It goes into the recording folder, so right. it's there regardless of whether it's. You. It was just a funny phrase, and then I was okay. going to say that I also remembered you were playing that video game where your boyfriend was a pigeon. Oh yes, yes. So I've been murdered by the how way. We got onto that subject. Yeah, I've been murdered by the way. You were murdered by your pigeon boyfriend? No, it's become a murder mystery. I was murdered and dismembered and passed around the school. And now the protagonist is my best friend and a couple of other dateable people. And um, they're trying to solve my murder and collect my pieces. I'm sorry, you're not even the protagonist in the game you're playing anymore? Not anymore, no. I'm dead. Wow, that... I find that really kind of depressing in a way. Um, well, the the game was designed as like a a parody of Japanese Atome. I think that's how you pronounce it. Or am I back to Mino? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 dating games. It's it's, but in this dating game, you're you're dating pigeons and other birds, and then halfway through the game, you're murdered, and then it becomes a murder mystery. So halfway through the game, you're murdered no matter what happens. You can't avoid well, murder. The thing is, you have to date a certain number of people to reveal a certain bit, a lot of information. And so as you go through, you reveal why you're a human going to a school full of birds and what happened okay. in the past you know, between humans and you birds. Know you know what? I don't, we, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we got into it. I'm just, let's go. <laughs> it's the end of the show. We don't it's too to political, man. Attention. I understand. It's cool. I'm not blaming you. You didn't design the game. But let's just move on. So it was called Project Pelican. (laughs) Yeah. Why did they call it Project Pelican if it was about pigeons? That's now that's what I want. That's what I really want to know. All that other stuff. They gave it a link. Wikipedia Project underscore pigeon. Okay. Well, again, these are things we don't have time to get into. If you're really curious, right. folks, you can go look that up and you can find out why they called the project about pigeons Project Pelican. Yeah. Was there more in this email, Mer? Was that pretty much... Was no, it was more? It was a lot about birds. A lot of... <laughs> it, was a, it was a bird email. We're yeah. going to refer to emails from now on as bird emails. Yes. I mean, it was useful. That just, you know... I have yeah, all the things it was. That, that certainly was one of them. Um, I'm not going to put down somebody for sending me bird info. It's neat. But let's move on. I'm not putting down for sending us bird info. I'm grateful for the bird info. Thank you for your bird info. (laughs) Are there any more more email questions? All right. So we'll do some Twitter feedback. Um, We don't have any, like, uh, wildly in-depth questions. But we have some things I feel like are worth worth reading on the show. That's okay. We don't have time for in-depth, right? Uh, Yeah. No, I said that. I feel like you're using it against me. I'm, uh, um, I'm not. I'm, I'm doing a callback. I usually like those. So to begin with, I do like callbacks. So to begin with, uh, folks really dug our episode with Mike Underwood, as I did, and I think my enthusiasm was palpable during that episode, where we talked about uh, book marketing and publicity and how and the inner workings of publishing and the holes and everything. People found that, but a lot of, a lot of response to that on the Twitter's mark. People Excellent. were really feeling it. Yeah, and. Uh, Eric Christensen said, uh, love this episode of Ditch Diggers with Mike R. Underwood. It's a model episode for people curious about the podcast. Yeah, model I think episode. so. Yeah, considering uh, Mike's been a fan of the show since the beginning, I think that's really 
poetic. It is. It has a certain. It has a certain count. I think Mike would appreciate the fact that you know when we finally got him onto the show, people reacted really, really big to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty Shelter, a good friend on Twitter, the new up at Ditch Diggers has some absolutely crucial insight on book selling and publicity from Mike R. Underwood. If you write books or want to, this one's a must. I'm basically just reading blurbs for the app now, but I just appreciate people saying nice things about us on Twitter. Yes. And I figure if I read it on the show, more people will do it more on the Twitter. It's really a self-serving thing that I'm doing right now. But uh, we appreciate everybody saying the nice things. Oh, this is really uh Kirstie Logan, the podcast, Ditch Diggers, is always great. It's always great, Mer. Uh, but the latest step with Mike R. Underwood on authors and marketing is super valuable. Why does no one ever tell debut authors this stuff? Wish I'd known it. See, that's the kind of shit I like. To, I like. That's why we do the show, Mark. At least yes. that's why I do the show. I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you yes. have different motivations. Uh, maybe the publishing industry killed your parents and this is your revenge. I don't know. You know, it could be it could be any number of things. But this is why I do the show because I like giving uh, new writers this kind of info because you just don't get it. There should be it sh- there should always be business education in writing classes. This is my feeling. Yeah, we can't reach everybody. Yeah, we can't do the, we can't do this all on our own, folks. Yeah, you know, we can't ride our Hugo Rocket Trophy into everyone's house. <laughs> I jammed that one in sideways, but goddamn it, I went for it. Um, yeah, so appreciate everybody's feedback on uh, the Mike R. Underwood episode. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. I thought it was one of the best ones, if not the best one we've done on uh, specifically book marketing and uh, book publishing. So check that out. Uh, moving on. Mur. Moving on. Ruth at Ruth Crafts. Uh, this isn't really a serious question. Fuck it, I'm gonna read it. Is it evil to be wondering why the ditch diggers are talking about hats and a haberdashers and not a Milner's? And goddamn it, Mur, I this is an episode I do remember. I specifically asked, is there a better term for a hat maker or a hat seller than a haberdashers? And everyone left me hanging on that. You and whoever we were talking to, I think it might have been Gail. Milner's Wait, was the how, term. How did we leave you hanging if we didn't know the answer? I'm just saying that I knew that that was not the best choice of words, and like none of us could figure it out. We're like three professional worders who do words for a living, and none of us could come up with with milliners or milliners. Milliners? Is it milliners? Fuck, I don't know. You're reading Twitter. <laughs> I I looked up haberdasher, and it said uh, specifically sent. It said two things. Hang on. <laughs> Twitter now. It is Milliner. It is. I, I was saying Milliner, but it is Milliner. Men's clothing and accessories. Small items used in sewing, such as buttons, zippers, and thread. Uh, yeah. Okay, so coming from uh, the Oxford Languages Dictionary, a Milliner is a person who makes or sells specifically women's hats. So maybe the question isn't, but then also hat making is referred to as millinery. Mm-hmm. Just in general. So I'm really fucking confused now. But, you know... <clears throat> yeah, millinery is, it, is, is it... sold to women, men, and children. So I'm not sure whether the point is that we used the wrong word for a hat seller or that we specifically are talking about hat sellers for men and not women. I, I, don't, I don't know. And I, <laughs> I, think, I think I don't care. 
So, uh, <laughs> I. This is you know, you know what this this matters. This is this is this gets into like language and gender and all kinds of interesting things that I wasn't expecting when I first read this question. Ruth, Ruth at Ruth's Crafts. I need you to clarify if you're listening to this episode. I need you to clarify if the question was, if you're if the intent of the question was that we used uh, a term for hats that was not as specific as it could have been, or that the term we used for hats was needlessly gendered. I would like to know the clarification of that question. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm just okay. trying to get it true there, Mer. Okay. That's all I'm doing. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an artist. I seek truth in all mm-hmm. things. As she sounded so dubious of that. <laughs> um, I, I seek, don't tell me I don't seek truth. I seek truth. Like, not every day. I... Certainly not on the weekends. That's my time. But, you know. I'm like, confused. that area between, like, noon and two, I do some mm-hmm. truth seeking. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Taco Bell. But, like, on the way to Taco Bell, I'm looking out the window for truth. <clears throat> yes. I'm not saying you don't <laughs> seek truth. I, I never said that. Okay. Well, then I'm glad we got that clear. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's everything from the Twitters, Marissa. Okay. Thank you for everybody for your feedback. And Ruth, I'm really, I really need to get the hat thing straight just for me. Because I'm going to be, it's going to be bugging me all week. It's like trying to remember an actor's name that you can't remember. It's just going to, it's going to nettle me. Well, thank you for, for thank you for the listeners for answering Matt's question and for dealing with me slightly stoned during uh, recording because we had to get it done and I'm trying my best. You were fine. If you hadn't pointed it out, nobody would have even noticed. I kind of had to point it out because there have been moments where I'm not proud of myself. I, Murray, you were you were fine, really. Okay. Um, it's an issue like i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't be too harsh on yourself okay okay summer yeah you're you're around you're on the internets i am on the internets where on the internets can people find you uh right now the most interesting place to find me is uh twitch.tv slash mighty where i do live uh two live podcasts a week one live ama and two live gaming sessions. For NaNoWriMo, I will be doing live write-ins instead of live podcasts because I'll be doing reruns of my uh, previous NaNoWriMo daily shows. And if you want to subscribe to that, you can go to any podcatcher and type in I Should Be Writing or go to merverse.com where you can also find out about my books. I have them. You write the books, Mer. I write write the books. I am the words. You are the words. I still got to write a Space Deli story for you, man. You do. You really do. I was trying to think of one of the fake titles we came up with earlier, but I can't remember what happened. The first problem is me. First problem because you wrote it down. Mm -hmm. That could be your gay rom-com set in a Space Deli. I haven't planned that. You're thinking about it now. I've I've planted the seed. I've, I've accepted you. Okay. Like Leo DiCaprio. Go ahead and, and chill, dude. <laughs> you are just like Leo, but... I am just like Leo. Anyway, yes. so your, your books, Mer, please tell us about your books. I have a book called Six Wakes that was nominated for a bunch of awards um, and didn't win any of them, but got nominated for them. It's about clones in space and murder, but no space deli. 
And I have a book called Solo, A Star Wars Story, which is the novelization of the movie that no one wanted to see. And then when they saw it, they thought it was okay. And then in hindsight, they thought, hey, wait a minute, that was a good movie, which, you know, is, is really great for, in, for for anybody who worked on anything connected to it. Um, and I wrote Minecraft, The Lost Journals, which is a middle grade book about two kids who get lost in the nether and a wolf called Bunny Biter. Just a goddamn media mogul, Murr. That's what you are. That's what I do, man. You're like Oprah. Um, I am like Oprah. Oprah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And then, uh, so yeah, everybody check out Murr's Twitch and uh, check out. She always does good NaNoWriMo stuff. It's National Novel Writing Month, if you're not familiar with it. I guess, so you're doing reruns, Murr? Is that because after 15 years, you pretty much said everything you have to say about NaNoWriMo? I have not done a daily show for 15 years on NaNoWriMo, but because if I ever actually want to win NaNoWriMo, I can't be thinking about a daily podcast. Because I realize I can't do both. So. <laughs> it took this long to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, Murr. That's trying to do a daily podcast and write a whole novel in a month is a lot. I mean, yeah. I could have told you that. You never asked. 15 years, you never asked, Mer. You gotta learn to ask for help. Everybody needs to learn to ask for help. I'm not good at it either. <laughs> Go ahead and chill, man. I can't come up with anything clever to say. That's fine. It's not always about being clever. That's another thing we all have to learn. You don't have okay. to be the cleverest person in the room. Also, don't make all your characters clever either. I'm sick of that shit. This isn't a craft thing. This is a media commentary, neither of which belong in the show. But just briefly, it, it's really annoying me when everyone in like a TV show or a book or whatever, everyone is really clever and quippy and funny. Because that's not fucking real life. It's not. Right. You, get any, you get any group of friends, not everybody is, is that clever or that quippy or that witty. And they don't need to be. Not everybody needs to be a fucking Joss Whedon character from 1995. Right. And I kind of blame him for that. I blame him for a lot of things, but particularly for that. Right. That idea that like every you gotta have a group of friends and they all have to be you know snappy and popping off the fucking quips with the same comedic timing too, which is bullshit. That's not how life works. So stop it. Anyway, I write books, Mer. I also, in addition to my seething, you know, cutting edge media commentary, I write books. I've got an epic fantasy out right now called Savage Legion that I'm very Great. proud of. People are very much enjoying. Like all the reviews have been really good. Amazon yeah. good. You know, out in the out in the professional critical world, people are digging it. I think you should get hip to it. Not you, Murray. You have you've read the book, but like yeah. other people, should get hip to it. Go check that out. I've got my first middle grade book, my first book for that for kids eight 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 to twelve is the range. If you're not familiar with what middle grade means, uh, the first book for kids coming out. It's called Bump. It's about wrestling. It's about life. It's about grief. It's about growing up. It's about a bunch of good good and important stuff. Uh, I'm very proud of that book as well. That's coming out in January. You can go pre-order that right now, wherever you pre-order your books. And uh, I'm on the Twitters, Matt F. Wallace, website, matt-wallace.com, YouTube, Angry Writer. I'm around. You can find me. You can yeah. come say hi. Yeah. So, yeah, those are all our things, Mar. We do a lot of things. We do. A lot of, we do. A lot, of things, a lot of things popping off. A lot of things going on. We wear a lot of hats. We just don't know where to shop for them. We do. We have a lot of feathers in those hats. I don't do Twitch because that's your milieu, and I don't want to take you on, Mer. We could fact, do something together, but that's else. something we should talk about offline. I don't feel like anybody else should Twitch at this point. I feel like it's it's just over. Like you, you're doing it, and that's it. Like just everybody should just watch Mer's Twitch. 
Don't worry about all those other Twitch streams. If only. Anyway. So that was our patented, time-honored, traditional end of episode chilling. That's right. And if you want to see the show notes as well, go to merverse.com. But I think that's it for this week. We'll see you again next week because we're going to keep this up. Right, Matt? We are. We're going to be back next week and then the week after that. And then it'll be a trend, Mer. We'll create a trend. That's right. Big time. All right, dude. I'll see you next week, and hopefully I will be migraine-free. Until then. You can support us at patreon.com slash mightymurr. Ditch Diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com